Oh, man. Wonderful. So we're continuing our series through Acts and also this little series that we've been doing over the past few weeks that has focused on the fact that there is nothing greater than knowing Jesus, that there is nothing more worthwhile in our lives compared to the, the glory and the wonder and the joy of knowing Jesus. And we see in that famous passage in Philippians 3 where Paul says that I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Wonderful. Yeah, we want to know the power of his resurrection. And then he says, and share with him in his sufferings to become like him in his death. And perhaps there's no greater example of this than Stephen, the first martyr who gave his life up because there was nothing worth more than knowing Jesus. And we see from Stephen that he had spent time with Jesus. And this is remarkable because Stephen wasn't one of the original disciples. He wasn't someone who walked around with Jesus when he was physically here. He probably didn't see him in his resurrected form either. So Stephen is a person like us. He became a Christian after Jesus had ascended back into heaven. And yet he was filled with the spirit. And he lived a life that showed that he wanted to know Jesus more than anything else. And so we can be like Stephen, this man who, and this is the first point, that Jesus, uh, that Stephen was a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. We can be people who are full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, the people who act like Stephen, who show the world that we know Jesus. Stephen took. God at his word. He took God and what he said in the Old Testament and what he revealed to him and said, okay, Lord, this is true and I know it to be true. So I'm going to declare your truth regardless of what that means for me. And of course, in the end, he gave up his life for it. But he showed that he had been with Jesus and spent time with him by the power of the Holy Spirit through what he did and through what he said. He lived that amazing life that we see in Romans 8, the famous passage that says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not suffering, not persecution, not famine, not danger, not sword. Nothing can separate us from God's amazing love. And that the suffering that we see in this life produces hope and produces perseverance and ultimately produces glory. Stephen embodied that. And he showed that, as James says in James 2, that faith is not just something we say it's something we live out and that the Lord is calling us not just to say I have faith in Jesus although that's good he's also saying that to prove our faith in Jesus we must demonstrate that in the way that we live and we see that here in Stephen Stephen spent time with Jesus and he was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit and by the Holy Spirit, you could see that he was living as Jesus wanted him to. We see in verse 15, and gazing at Stephen, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. We saw this in the Old Testament with Moses when he spent time with God. He's, he came down the mountain literally glowing. Because he'd spent time in the presence of God. And the council could see through his time spent with the Lord in prayer, in reading the Bible, in praise and worship, that Stephen glowed. And then because he spent time with Jesus, because he knew him, 
He even quoted, or he didn't, whether he knew he quoted or whether it had been revealed to him, but he quoted two things that Jesus himself had prayed on the cross. He, he prayed that the sins wouldn't be held against them. And then also that the Lord would receive his spirit. Two things that we see that Luke records in his gospel that Jesus said on the cross. Stephen was an ordinary man, but he was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit because he spent time with him. And so the Lord is calling us to show the world that we know Jesus. And the way that we show the world that we know Jesus is to actually know him through spending time with him, through inviting the Holy Spirit to, be, to show us and to lead us through life, to make Jesus the Lord of our lives in every area, even to the point of giving up our lives. And so we're going to sing a song now that says to the Lord, open up the heavens, send your Holy Spirit on us that we might live for your glory and um, that we might see his power in our lives, that he might be revealed to the rest of the world through what we say and through what we do, because we are putting him first, because we want to know him and the power of his resurrection, even to share with him in his sufferings so that he might be glorified and that the world might see that he is living in us. So let's sing this song together, and then we'll move on to the next part of this story. And I don't know about you, sometimes in my prayers, I, I could be frustrated at the lack of, I guess, progress, or the lack of what would be perceived success, or as the Bible puts it, fruit, and in, in ministry, and wanting to see people, uh, see people saved, see people delivered, to see people healed. And um, that actually I kind of feel like it should be that because we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we're filled with faith that everything we touch should become, uh, should see people saved and, and God glorified and, and wonders happening. And, and why is this nation not uh, bowing its knee to the, to the Lord of glory because he's living in his people? And I then look at stories like this and I, and I, I I'm encouraged because people who the Bible says were clearly filled with the Holy Spirit, they still faced opposition. People that didn't even respond, that, that never, that, that still even persecuted Stephen for his words, even though there was clear demonstrations of God in his life, they chose not to put their trust in what Stephen was saying. And so we see that even the great heroes of faith in the Bible, even Jesus himself, he, the, the king of kings who came down to, to earth to reveal God to us, who did signs and wonders that the world has never seen. And yet he still faced resistance, persecution, and ultimately gave up his life because the enemy has a way of blinding people's eyes. And we ourselves as people have a way of just choosing not to see and to believe what we see. So even Stephen faced opposition. And we see, and this is the second point in verse 8, that Stephen was full of grace and power, doing great signs and wonders among the people. So Stephen was this amazing guy who was doing great things by the power of the Holy Spirit and healing and delivering people and setting people free. He was a, a man of power and grace, and yet he still faced opposition. And more than that, he was a man of grace and power, but he didn't use it for his own advantage. He didn't use it to bring glory to himself. 
we see actually that he was a man of humility who ultimately he laid down his life. But before that, when and the story that we looked at last week in chapter six, where the disciples or the apostles at this stage are realizing that there's there's some work that needs to be done that they don't have time for. And Stephen was a man who was essentially acting like an apostle, that he was preaching and there were signs and wonders and he was doing great things. And he was the one who was chosen to bring about this social justice for the widows of that time. He was willing to submit to the leadership of the apostles. He was willing to submit to the needs of the church at that point, to do whatever was required and submit and and lower himself and to be like Jesus in washing the disciples' feet. He was a man of grace and power, and he was a man of humility. He didn't use the power to, for his own ends, for his own gain, but he used it and showed ultimate power as Jesus did by getting on his knees and washing the people's feet. And this is the picture that we see of Jesus throughout from Matthew 5, where Jesus says, I'm gentle and lowly. I'm humble. Be like me. I'm humble. And I will give you rest. Come to me. And then in Philippians 2, where Paul has this great picture of humility, where Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not consider it something to be used for his advantage, but he humbled himself. He emptied himself and made himself nothing. And that's what Stephen did here. So for all his amazing qualities, perhaps the greatest was humility, the one where he was willing to lay himself down for the sake of God and for the sake of others. And in the midst of the circumstances we find ourselves in, whatever they might be, the Lord's call to each one of us is to lay ourselves down, to lay our dreams and desires, to lay what we see down for the sake of what God wants to do. That's the case for us individually. And that in our circumstances, are we willing to say to the Lord, I just want to know you. I want to I want to lay what I have down before you so that I might know you. I might know your purposes and so that your kingdom might come and your will might be done in my life as it is in heaven. But also that we might say that corporately, whatever it might mean, whatever we might have to do in order to see his kingdom come, that we might lay ourselves down, that we might surrender that we might completely commit and lay lay whatever it is that we're not holding or giving to God and then we we give it to him and we say Lord have your way even if it means giving up our lives and God willing many of us won't have to actually give up our lives for the sake of Jesus not literally but are we willing to do it like Stephen did if it was to come to that? Or even are there things in our own lives that we're, we're holding back because actually we can't let go. We can't humble ourselves before the Lord and say we want to know him. And when we do that, that's when we will see these amazing things, that we might be people full of grace and power, that by being humble, we actually, we actually see the glory of God. We see signs and wonders. We see miracles And we see restoration and we see salvation. And in our frustration, we keep turning to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to know you in this. What is it that you're doing so that we might see your work done in my life, in my church, in my community, 
as it is in heaven. So we're going to sing a song now. Some of you may not necessarily know this song, but it's a song that invites the Lord to do miracles. And as we sing this song, let's remember that the Lord chooses to do miracles through people who are wholly submitted to him. So let's use this as a prayer. Say, Lord, come and do your work. And Lord, I surrender to you to do whatever you want to do. Stephen was a man who showed that he knew Jesus, that he spent time with him by being a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, by being full of grace and power. And then finally, that he is he was a man of wisdom and revelation. We see this in verse 10. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirits with which Stephen was speaking. See, Stephen was a wise man. And what we see in scripture is wisdom isn't necessarily knowledge. Actually, Jesus says that the wise man is a man who builds his life on the rock that is Jesus, on the rock that is scripture. And that's how we know wisdom, because we apply the words that God has said to us and apply them to our lives and live them out so that God takes the glory. And then we see this amazing sermon. It's the longest recorded sermon in Acts in chapter seven from one to fifty three. It is an amazing sermon that takes uh, takes the story of Israel and, and applies it and says, this is what God really meant and was really doing this time. So as Stephen was being accused of, of blasphemy against the temple and against Moses, actually Stephen was saying, no, this is what God was showing you through Moses, through the temple and has ultimately been fulfilled in the man, Jesus. And it's a beautifully articulate account of what happens. And in many ways is shows his eloquence in a way that Peter and Paul didn't. And of course, they were men of grace and power as well and people who preached the gospel and saw many saved but Stephen was a man who who could convince through his arguments and yet he still had to give up his life here and shows that even sometimes what God is doing is that when we are faithful in the short term we may not necessarily see what we wanted to see but because he was a man filled with the spirit willing to lay his life down Ultimately, he sees this revelation of Jesus, this picture of Jesus standing up and welcoming Stephen home, welcoming Stephen into heaven, finally free of this world, free to be a man who worshipped Jesus forever and ever, free of the sin and the darkness in this world. And we see in this picture that and of this message that Stephen was a man of wisdom. He applied the scriptures well and revelation. He knew Jesus through spending time in his word, in the word that they had at the time, the Old Testament. But also he knew Jesus because Jesus reveals himself to him. And we see that in this moment. And we see this picture of Jesus standing up now in every other picture that we see of Jesus ascended on his throne. We see that he's actually sitting down. But in this one instance, for the first martyr, Jesus stands up and it's as if he's making the point, as he said in the parable of the talents, well done, my good and faithful servant, come home. And we see this amazing picture of Jesus saying to Stephen, your job is complete. Thank you for being faithful. Now come and enjoy a life with me. Today, as Jesus said, even to the criminal on the cross, you will be with me in paradise. 
And so Stephen was able to proclaim that out. And actually, even at that point, once he'd had the revelation, he could have chosen just to take a step back and, and preserve his own life. If he had not said what they claimed was blasphemy, speaking about the Son of Man, this picture of Daniel 7, which I've got time to go into now, but the, they claimed it was blasphemy. If, Peter, if Stephen hadn't said that, even then he could have preserved his life. But having the wisdom of applying the word of God and seeing the revelation of Jesus meant he couldn't hold back. He knew what he had seen and he was prepared to die for it. And he knew Jesus through spending time in the word of God. This is the ultimate picture of, of God, God's ultimate revelation through us. We see Jesus through his word. But also he spent time in prayer. He spent time on his knees and ultimately would see Jesus through his time in prayer as well. He knew Jesus through his word and by the power of his spirit. And we have been called to be a people of both the word and the spirit, to spend time in his word regularly, getting to know him and, and spend time with him. And the same in prayer that we would know God's heart for us that we might know God himself and all that he has for us in this world. Even if that means some pain at sometimes. And that passage that I mentioned earlier in Romans 8. Romans 8 is a passage that starts with suffering and ends with nothing can separate us from the love of God. And the reason that we can endure and in fact have joy in suffering is because we know who we are suffering for. But also because in suffering, it produces hope within us of a future glory. And Stephen is the fulfillment of the words that Jesus said, that, that when we acknowledge God before men, then he will acknowledge us before his father. And that he would give us the words in that moment when we are facing opposition, when we are struggling, when we are suffering. And those words would be the words that would get what God wants to, to done, that there would be achieved there an eternal purpose, even if we can't see it. The fulfillment of those words. And so in suffering, I don't know what, how you feel about suffering. Obviously, nobody likes suffering. But I think of it like taking my children for vaccinations. Obviously, there's this big thing about vaccinations at the moment. But some of the most the most traumatic moments as a parent is when I've taken my children to be vaccinated, knowing that whatever they say, they're not going to change my mind. <laughs> um, whatever, however they react, I still want them to have the vaccination. And actually, there is no reasoning. There is not telling them at this stage what's what the benefits of this is because they just don't want it to happen. All I can do is be with them and show them that in that moment. I'm still loving them. And so as we go through opposition and persecution and, and some because of the life we're living for Jesus, that is not what the world wants to see. Sometimes God will allow it. And in the moment of that, he's still saying, I love you. I'm going to hold you. And it might be painful now, but there will be a future glory and in the meantime you can still know me I'm still here for you Stephen showed that he knew Jesus 
even though he had never met him. And that's the call for each one of us. We may never have met the living, breathing, walking around Jesus that the disciples did. But we can still know Jesus through his word, through his Holy Spirit, in prayer. And there is no greater thing. And so as we close today, we are going to sing a song. It's, it's an older song now, um, but a song that speaks of that passage in Philippians 3, that there is nothing compared to knowing Jesus. So let's invite the Lord to work in us a desire to get to know him more, that we might be people of faith in the Holy Spirit, of grace and power and wisdom and revelation. And in fact, that passage in Ephesians 2, the, that Paul prays for, for the Ephesian people, I keep asking that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ might give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, or that you might know him better. Let's ask for that same spirit of wisdom and revelation as we sing this song, that we might know him better. Let's sing together. <laughs>